And welcome to the Global Game, brought to you by your host, Scott McDonald, tonight, and also your co-host, Alex Brosk. Brosky, how are we? Good, mate. Good. Uh, happy to have finally had a night's, uh, a good night's sleep, mate. We've, uh, <laughs> we've got a bit of a break before the, uh, the quarterfinals start, but it's been incredible, mate. Yeah, mate, lots to talk about still, obviously, at the World Cup itself in Qatar. We'll talk all Socceroos once again and leading into the Asia Cup next year. And also we'll have a Socceroo on for you as well to discuss a few things in an interview. So lots to talk about. And obviously, in those uh, in that intro there, we, we, we heard a lot of, uh, you know, sort of the, the old commentaries from, from Gone the Bye. So we're going to hit it straight off, Broski, and we're going to go into today's hot talk topic for Guzman E. Gomez. Fast food that athletes say yes to. And my question for you tonight, Broski, is where has this World Cup rated for you in terms of World Cups gone by? Obviously, we, like I said, we've seen in those commentaries some of the, the classic games and, and the players gone by. How's it felt for you in this one? Oh, look, I think um, heading into this one, obviously there was a lot of uh, negativity and a lot of talk surrounding the fact Qatar were hosting the World Cup. And, and there have been a lot of off-field dramas, um, I think, as well. But on the pitch, for me, it's been one of the best that, that I've seen. I think the, uh, you know, for Asian clubs in particular, when you look at how many, um, you know, the Asian nations progressed, um, it, it's been great. The upsets that we've had, Saudi Arabia being Argentina, that, that would never have happened in any World Cup ever before, you know. But all of a sudden, you know, Japan have been Germany, Spain, and, and we've got, um, you know, Australia's qualifying, playing Argentina. I think on the field, it's actually been great. Yeah, so you talk about on the field and, and the upsets itself. But the product at times, has it been the same for you? Has the excitement been there? We talk about upsets, but there's a lot of teams that have sort of stifled teams rather than come out and all-out attack. This World Cup's given up, uh, you know, listening to you know, FIFA TV and the stats that have come out, the least amount of shots from outside the box. Um, is that something that, you know, we need to change within the game or is this something that's, that, that's evolved and is going to continue in that process? It just shows the um, how, I mean, you were, mentioned the word evolve there, and I think it's just the game in general. You know, coaches are getting so much more switched on. You know, countries are investing a lot more in good coaches, coaches that are, you know, know how to set their teams up tactically and, and, and are difficult to break down. So that's what we're seeing. We saw so many nil or draws. Last World Cup, there was only one. So I think that's what we're seeing. You know, it is harder to break down teams um, so I think it's more, nothing that we need to change. I think just as players, as coaches, we need to start finding ways around them now, around those teams that like to, you know, bunker in and make it difficult and, and, and are happy to have two, three chances a game and, and, and win a game. Look, realistically, that's, that's the world cup, you know, to get to the latter stages, you need to be, you need to be perfect. You know, I mean, there's not too many Brazils that are doing it and doing it with ease. 
So every other country, I mean, it's on, it's on, it's on the players, it's on the coaches to try and just find that little bit of quality now to um, to break teams down. Now I'm going to put you on the spot before we move on. In terms of games so far that we've seen within this World Cup, what's been your favourite one so far? Um, favourite game so far, you know that, that. Look, there has been a few. I, I think there's one, and I can't remember it for the life of me now. But um, which game was it? It may have been uh, Iran beating Wales. I think just the way that they they did it. Look, n- probably not my favourite game, but I remember just watching it and thinking. I think it was an early kickoff as well, and just thinking for us here in Australia, just thinking, oh, look, this isn't probably the greatest game to watch uh, on TV, but it is what it is. Wales, Iran, I'm going to watch. And um, I mean, the way they went about the game and, and scored in the 98th minute and then 90 plus 11 uh, minute, it was just, it was great. You know, they're, they're, they're scenes that you, you love to see at World Cups, you know, underdogs sort of coming through and winning games against all the odds. And um, that, that's one that sort of really just made me feel something. And even though I wasn't supporting either team, uh, I had goosebumps running when I saw, uh, running through the body when I saw that game. So, no, that, that's one that sticks out, but obviously there's been so many great games, um, you know, throughout the whole World Cup and, um, you know, Portugal smashing Switzerland, that's been great. Brazil, what they did to Korea on, on the weekend, they've been great to watch. So, look, for me, the exciting part starts now. You know, the, the big fixtures that we've got heading into the quarterfinals, you know, outside of probably that ideal matchup of Spain-Portugal, which we all wanted to see, if we'd had that, it would have been probably the you know, the most incredible quarterfinals that we, we've ever had. But um, in st- even saying that, Morocco, Portugal are going to be great. England, France, Holland, Argentina, Croatia, Brazil. I think the best is uh, is yet to come. Yeah, I fully agree with you, Broski, and, and touching on that Iran uh, game itself. I think it was the drama of that game that they did everything up until that 90th minute to score a goal. That's right. And they just couldn't get it over the line. Then fi- and then finally they broke their duck. And you've seen <laughs> what it meant to the Iranian people and all the political issues that they're having at their country. But that's the hot topic brought to you by Guzman E. Gomez, home of clean, healthy burritos, bowls that athletes say yes to. Now, moving on, Broski, obviously to Socceroos chat, uh, looking ahead, obviously in a year's time, we do have the Asia Cup. We've got Marco Tilio coming on the show a little bit later, giving us his thoughts. Um, but getting the crystal ball out for you, how do you rate our chances in just over 12 months in this competition? Um, look, I think it's it's going to be incredibly difficult. You know, I think especially when you look at what, um, you know, what Saudi did, uh, even though they didn't progress, you know, be, in beating Argentina, well, you know what sort of lift that's going to give their their players, their country, uh, their coach has been great. We've seen so much come out from from him and, and how he has his team playing. Japan, what what they've done in this World Cup, Korea as well. Uh, it's going to be as hard as it as it was. I know we progressed and we got through um, and we did well, but you know we can't forget how we went in Asian qualifying. You know it was tough for us. We had two, you know, difficult games in our group against Japan and Saudi, and um, only picked up the one point. Only scored the one goal in the four games against them. So, you know, on the other side of the group, you had Korea, you had Saudi Arabia. It's going to be tough, mate. But um, look, I think the kick uh, and confidence that this World Cup would have given our boys. Hopefully, uh, means, mate, we'll have a, a good crack at it. Yeah, well, that, that tournament is to be played once again in Qatar. So lots to look forward to in terms of 
preparation for that and, and the tournament itself should be wonderful due to the facilities that they have. It'll be interesting to see the legacy of, of what goes on at Qatar after that uh, tournament as well within, I think, the stand uh, the stadiums actually getting uh, demolished and, and moved into actually mm-hmm. apartment blocks and whatever else. Um, <laughs> there's just not enough people in the in the country to, to play football within them. Um, but you talked about um, our squad, um, the Socceroos, and in terms of that youth that we have um do you see that being an advantage? Obviously, eight went to the Olympics um, that were in this World Cup, uh, you know, campaign. Does that bode well for us, you know, going into this tournament itself as well? And obviously, I'll get on to the, the Graham Arnold issue as well with you in a moment. I think it does. I think that that's what you sort of need in your national teams. You know, when you have good generations, generally, um, you know, it's, it's not just the one. It, it, it sort of comes from years of preparation, you know, and that sort of used to start with that old, AIS program, um, which is no longer around, but you know, so many players sort of would go from there and playing the twenties and then playing the Olympic team together and then end up in the, in, in the Socceroos together. And, and, and that, you know, familiarity, that understanding of playing together makes a huge difference for a national team coach when he's only got, you know, three, four days worth of preparation, sometimes less. So I think with this team that we're seeing now, there's a lot of them that, um, you know, like you said, there were eight that were in that Olympic team with uh, with Graham Arnold already. They've got that experience of playing together. A lot of them, there's a lot of young boys. They, they, they started to make that move. There's a few of them in Scotland playing as well. So hopefully, look, I, I think over the next four years, we want to see them moving on, you know, to bigger, bigger clubs, bigger leagues around the world. That's where we need them. I feel like in four years' time, if this if this squad sort of reaches the potential that each one of them has, um, it, it's frightening to think where we could be because I think while we showed a lot of heart, a lot of you know that Aussie spirit, we've seen now that you need the quality as well to to really go and make a, 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 a I guess uh, have a real good go of, of a World Cup and to get into these quarterfinals, you need that quality as well. So. You know, if we can have players playing in the better leagues around the world with what they've shown already, it, it's it's very, very exciting. So, um, look, I'm, I'm optimistic and, and hopeful now of, of the future and what these kids have been able to get from, from this World Cup, the experience um, that this would have given them. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, looking towards the Asian Cup, we'll be better for it. And then even further down the track, in another four years, these guys will be uh, flying by then. Well, yeah, you talk about the here, the now, uh, in terms of that squad and, and its capability. But is there any other bolters for you that could obviously have an impact within, obviously, the, over the next four years? You've got Alex Popovich at Adelaide United doing very well. Irana Kunda as well, and Joe Gauci, obviously, all, all at Adelaide United. Jake Brimmer, who's, who's been wonderful for victory. And if Arzani, you know, obviously gets uh, gets it going really well at, at, at MacArthur, are these all guys that could make an impact? And is there anyone else that you would probably suggest as well that could have that impact for the Socceroos going forward? Oh, look, I, I think that um, those boys you mentioned there, as well as, you know, someone like Economides, I think he's still young. He's still one of my favourite players to watch in the A-League. I think he's so exciting, a great winger. Um, but if you look around the league, I think there's so many good young kids coming through the clubs at the moment. You mentioned there, Arzani, you've got Al-Hassan Toure, Falami. Um, you know, Sydney's got a couple of boys, Segacic, Kacharski, uh, Neuenhoff at the Wanderers, Callum Talbot, you know, could be a solution potentially for that sort of right back, um, uh, I guess, situation that we have at the moment. So, look, there's a, a lot of good young kids coming through. And I, I think that, um, look, it is exciting times. The fact that we've got so many of the of the soccer who's playing in the A-League as well sort of helps these young kids. But, 
Um, look, there's a lot of names, a lot of guys that probably will feel um, were close to making that World Cup squad. And, and I think, look, I think it, it's all good for Arnie if he does hang around, um, that he's got a good selection of, of players to choose from. Well, look, you talked about the, the competitiveness of, of Asia now and, and in terms of how difficult the qualification process was. Who are the biggest threats going into that tournament for you? Who are the ones that we need to watch out for and are going to be our biggest challenges when we get there? Um, look, I, I, I do think that the teams that we've seen recently, look, Japan have been incredible, beating Germany, beating Spain. You know, you can probably look at one of those results and think that, um, you know, they, 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 I don't know, they just did something that was uh, against all the odds. No one expected. They'll never do it again. But to do it twice against two of the biggest countries, to leave Germany um, behind in that group and to qualify, um, for me, is is incredible what they've done. I think they go in as strong favourites. Even Croatia, taking them all the way to penalties. Um, look, incredible, incredible. So it, it will be the usuals. It'll be them. It'll be Korea. Um, Iran was strong as well from what we've seen. Um, and Qatar being the host nation, you know, I guess yeah. you just can't uh, go past them either. But it, look, it, it will be between us and, and those countries. No, I think you're right. I think Qatar are always a threat as well, being that they won the Asia Cup last time round and, and being at home as well. And one thing that the World Cup's showing us, and, and you talked about Australia, is that work ethic of all the Asian teams and how hard they work off the ball and their, their structure and their discipline. Obviously, goal scoring is a, a big issue probably within the game, not just in Asia right now, but lots to look forward to. You're listening to The Global Game, thanks to Kraken.com, trusted by 9 million crypto customers worldwide. Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Guitar 2022. Welcome back to the Global Game, obviously with your host, Scott McDonald, tonight and our co-host, Alex Broski. Good to have Broski with me. Uh, it's been a while since we've actually been together, mate, and uh, obviously I love talking football with you, and none more so than obviously the World Cup that's going on right now, and Ronaldo, all the chat about <laughs> Ronaldo. We need to talk about him again. Uh, he, he just seems to never go away at the moment, obviously before the tournament, in the tournament, and now obviously being dropped for the last game. Where does the future lie for this man? And obviously in Fernando Santos's team after obviously being the substitute in the last game. Oh, look, it's difficult. It's something he's, um, you know, having to get used to more and more that, um, you know, he's, he's required more to make an impact off the bench than he is um, as a starter. There's just too much of a, a circus surrounding him every time he's, he's in any squad, which is disappointing for him um, and disappointing for... The legacy he's leaving, you know, he's um, he's sort of starting to, to wrap up his career now and, and isn't, you know, holding himself in the best light with everything that he's doing. He's doing interviews, um, you know, with Piers Morgan where he's unloading on his uh, on his on the club that he's at. Um, he he's, looks frustrated. His team's just one six one, and he seems to be walking off on his own, heading up the tunnel, not, you know, joining in with the team celebrations. And it's... Um, just, I mean, look, it's it's highlighting what we've always known. Ronaldo is always and only about Ronaldo, you know, which is disappointing. Um, you know, with everything that he's done, all the all the teams that he's been a part of in his career, you you want to see him ending his career in in a good way. And if this is his last World Cup, which it definitely is, you um, you know, you want to see him going out in a better way than than what he is. So it's disappointing. It'd be frustrating as a teammate, you know, given you know the fact that these guys got to go out and, and try and win a World Cup with all this circus. We saw that, you know, there were more photos taken of him than the squad when he was on the bench. So that's, uh, that sort of shows the, the power that he has. But um, 
look, yeah, hopefully that, uh, you know, he, he gets back to doing what he's got to do and, and whatever that role is, is the, as he puts the team first. Yeah. Surely he can't start the next one. Obviously, Gonzalo Ramos, no. what a start for the boy, huh? First start uh, ever for his national team and, and getting a hat-trick and now has <laughs> more bad. knockout goals to his name than, than Ronaldo already, can you believe, Broski? No, incredible. Um, but in terms of, obviously... In terms of for Ronaldo, you know, hypothetically, let's say Portugal win this. Where does that leave him, you know, and his legacy? Uh, does does this really count in terms of if he's going to be a bit part player that, you know, that, that it's a huge part of his legacy if they were to win the World Cup? Or will it be tarnished because of all the, the previous nonsense building into this? I, look, I, I think it, it definitely won't carry as much weight. I think if Messi goes to win this World Cup with what he's doing, um, you know, compared to Ronaldo coming off the bench, it, it definitely doesn't carry the same weight. You know, I think we have this fascination and obsession in thinking that, uh, um, you know, if a guy goes and wins a World Cup, you know, it's all about him. You know, we look at Messi and say, oh, the fact he hasn't won a World Cup, you know, is what's holding him back from being one of the gr- the, the greatest, you know, and up there with Maradona and Pelé. But I find that ridiculous. It's a team sport where you've got 10 other blokes around you. We, we, we can't be looking that solely as, as how great you are, whether you've held the World Cup or not. But Look, if you do look at, at a legacy and what someone's been able to do, the fact, you know, Ronaldo's coming off the bench to have an impact here compared to, say, Messi, who's really driving his team, it's, um, you know, it definitely doesn't carry the same weight. No, when well, you talk about that man, Lionel Messi, obviously he'll be central for Argentina's chances going in against the Netherlands. How do you stop him? You don't. <laughs> you try and limit. You try and limit the amount of times he uh, has chances, gets near your goal, which I think we did incredibly well. You know, for most of that half, we we were doing. He was walking, which we know he does a lot. Um, and and you know, he was picking the ball up around halfway, which is where you want Messi. You don't want want Messi anywhere near your uh, your box and and your goal. And all it took was one moment. You know, and that's all he needs. That's all he needs. He can walk for. For 89 minutes and then just pop up and score a goal with that moment of brilliance that not many, if any, players around the world at the moment have. So that, that's just how good he is. You know you're not going to stop him. You're not going to be able to for 90 minutes. You just need to, to limit the amount of um, influence he has, which is tough. I know, but I think what's interesting in terms of you watch the start of this tournament and, and Scaloni, his tactics and, and where he was playing Lionel Messi and now where he is actually playing. He's playing him off, obviously, in that false nine role. Uh, we talk a lot, or there is always a lot of chatter about Ronaldo, obviously, playing in that role now, not uh, essentially, obviously, leading the press. Is that an issue for Argentina going into this game against the Netherlands? Because he pressed when he chose to at times against Australia, but not every single time. When you come up against, you know, world-class opposition, you need to press from the front and, and obviously do that damage from there. Does that cause problems for Argentina in this game? Well, I think it does. I think Messi's generally been that sort of player that you can you can afford to just have out in the wing or, or playing, you know, occupying that number 10 role and just let him be. You know, don't, don't ask him to run. Everyone will run around him. But if he's that guy up in that false nine position that you want leading that press... You're right, Scotty. I think it's um, I think it's hard, you know, because you, you do want to be aggressive in the press. You want to be forcing, you know, um, these teams to turn possession over. In you know, you want Holland. You don't want Holland playing the ball around, moving the ball around comfortably, which that which they'll do if if um, if they're not pressing. So, I think it, it it works into other teams' hands if they have Messi in that in that role. But um, yeah, I, I like to see Messi out, sort of just drifting in and out, doing what he does, and letting the other guys work around him. 
Well, it's an incredible stat that there was obviously that I'd heard when the Socceroos had played him that he had walked more than any other player <laughs> within the competition so far. It just shows that he uses his strengths and energies for when you know his team always gets the ball. It's incredible. I don't think me or you could have ever got away with that, Broski, in, in any of our careers. But look, <laughs> you talk about his legacy. You talk about his world. You know this World Cup and how much it means to him in the Argentina public. Does he need this? Uh, to emulate the likes of Maradona and, and the pantheon of greats in the past? Or is he already there or, or past them in, in your eyes? I think he's already there. I think that argument of having to win the World Cup, that's for people who, um, you know, look, and I don't want to call them ignorant, but it, it's sort of bordering what they are. I think, like I said, you, you've, it takes 11 players plus the guys coming off the bench to win a World Cup. You know, it's not just one guy. One guy can be great and he can get player of the tournament, but... But to say one man won a World Cup, that's maybe back in Maradona's day, I think it was possible. But when you look at the football today and, and how difficult it is tactically, defenders, how much better they are than back in the day when you can, you know, someone like Maradona could dribble past everybody on the pitch, that can't happen anymore, you know. So it's different times, different generations. I think Messi's already, um, you know, one of the greats and up there with Maradona. Yeah, well, moving on, obviously, to, to the other games in the quarterfinals and uh, something that I was speaking to Dodsy about, uh, James Dodds, last night and in England uh, in terms of their preparation. Raheem Sterling's obviously been missing uh, due to having to go home because his home was robbed. There's a little, been a little bit of upset in the camp. Does that, does that affect the squad in terms of Raheem Sterling not being there and the question marks whether or not he comes back uh, into the fold? Look, any any time something like that happens to a player, it's um, it's huge, you know. I think it's uh, it can disrupt the team. But look, this, I mean, Scotty, you know better than me, the quality that they have in this team, you know, something like that can isn't going to disrupt their campaign. I think he's he's a good player, but you know, you've got you've got someone like Foden there who can come in and do well, and 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 he's probably unlucky to have um, you know probably not started those early couple games and. He comes in and he's a, a, a great sort of replacement and, and, and quality player. So there's more than enough quality in that English squad. I, I just feel looking, you know, remembering that last Euro final, that sort of that sort of turned me off thinking that England has what it takes in big games regardless, you know, getting into this part of the tournament. Um, you know, they've got France. They haven't really, for me, been tested. Iran, Wales, USA in the group, Senegal, they, they sort of handled quite comfortably this is their big game against France. You know, they win this and, and they can start to believe that they've got a, a chance. But, um, you know, again, that Euro final, that sort of lingers in my head and, and everything they'd done to get to that point, that final, to then just crumble the way they did at home, I, I found that, um, yeah, incredibly strange. So, look, I, I think the Sterling issue is a, is a big one, but not one that will uh, disrupt them too much. Yeah, look, they've had a lot of attacking attempt. They've got 12 goals in the tournament. They're going to be a threat to, to France. But obviously talking about France, for me, favourites going into this one. For you, is that deserved? And obviously, Kylian Mbappe has joined the world's greatest players conversation in the last four years, obviously winning the World Cup, scoring another five goals already in this tournament. Um, would another World Cup secure his legacy as one of the greatest ever? Uh, look, not yet. And, and only because for him to... To have that legacy of being one of the greats, he needs to leave PSG. You, you can't, um, you know, he needs to go to one of the big clubs and, and big leagues and dominate there. You can't, what he's doing at, at PSG is great. He's setting all sorts of records internationally as well. It's frightening to think of, you know, he's easily got another couple World Cups in him and, and he can, 
Um, he can obliterate all sorts of scoring records and, and, you know, probably even win another couple, which is <laughs> won't have been done before. But I think he needs to leave PSG to really, you know, to have that legacy as, a, as one of the greats. You need to go and test yourself in Spain or in England or in Italy at one of these big clubs, um, not at PSG. Well, it's certainly heating up in the World Cup with these quarterfinal games. And, and building into that coming up, we have our Socceroo joining us for a conversation as well. All things World Cup and A-League also with Marco Tilio. Hey, everybody. Producer Alex here. And just before the break and Marco Tilio, we're heading to Tom Haylock for Betfair. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Thanks, guys. Yeah, only eight teams left. Brazil, firm favourites now, $2.74 on betfair.com.au. You can lay them at $2.76 if you think any other team can win the FIFA World Cup. France, $5.80, $5.90 to lay. Argentina, $7.60. Portugal, $7.60. England, $7.80. You've got uh, Netherlands, Morocco and Croatia next best. Plenty of games coming up. Croatia versus Brazil. Brazil going to that match, as you would expect. Heavy favourites, $1.40. The draw, $5.30. Croatia, $10 at betfair.com.au. England versus France. What a match that'll be. England, $3.15. The draw, $3.35. And France, $2.56. Netherlands, Argentina. Netherlands, $3.75. The draw, $3.25. And Argentina, $2.35. And then we've got Morocco and Portugal, as you'd expect. Portugal go into that as firm favourites. Head to betfair.com.au forward slash hub. We teamed up with Stats Insider. They've got all the latest information, all the data, and plenty of tips on the Betfair hub. Thank you very much. That update, thanks to Betfair. Don't settle for the odds given. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. After the break, Marco Tilio. Welcome back to the global game. Thanks to Kraken.com. Trusted by 9 million crypto customers worldwide. Kraken.com. Broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Now for this segment, we're very, very fortunate to have one of our socceroos, one of our heroes who's just come back from Qatar, join us this morning or this afternoon, should I say rather. Marco Tilio, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm well, thank you. So. Yes, very well, very well. Look, uh, obviously, not too long since you've been back in the country, uh, back to the euphoria. Are you finally settling in, uh, back down to earth? Yes, uh, I think it's slowly, slowly sinking in. But, yeah, back to reality, training, and looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, now, look, uh, your story is a very interesting one, uh, in, in particular for the Socceroos. You went from, obviously, the agony of uh, not being in the squad to the ecstasy of, of getting over there to Qatar, just talk me through those thoughts and, and, and obviously those, you know, 72 hours crazy as they were for you. Yeah, as you said, it was yeah, crazy. Um, I went back, we went played in Newcastle and I went back home. We had a few days off and, um, yeah, I was in Sydney uh, with my family and stuff. And then I got the call that I needed to come in to Qatar tomorrow morning um, to potentially take a spot because there's a few injury clouds over players and, Obviously, I went there with the unknown what's going to happen. I could have been home in a week later, but I think I was lucky enough to yeah be a part of the squad. So I was very happy in the end. Yeah, and look at and in terms of the squad itself, I'm sure as we all know it it looked a tight knit squad um, when you went back in. That there wasn't any difference because you were with the squad already. Um, but how tight knit is this group? How 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 galvanised was it at this World Cup under Graham Arnold? Yeah, like, as everyone's saying, like, the camaraderie and the 
brotherhood um, environment we have within the team and even the team culture, it's just yeah, second to none. I don't think I've been involved in any team that's had um, this type of uh, camaraderie and I think he's shown in the performances in the World Cup, um, yeah, uh, just how good and how much belief we had in each other and in the group. And, yeah, I think overall the team done really well and um, made Australia proud. Yeah, absolutely. You certainly did that, uh, Marco, in terms of making us all proud and putting the game back on the map, so to speak. Um, look, obviously there's been a lot of chatter about, obviously, your your head coach, Graham Arnold, in terms of whether he stays or go. I imagine probably the answer to this one, but... Do you expect him to, to stay on and, and do you want him to? Uh, for myself, I think he, yeah, he's a great coach. Um, I was fortunate enough uh, to be involved with him when I was about 16, the Asian Champions League at Sydney FC, when he brought me up into the team. And um, from then, um, just in the first team, and then since he did so successful at Sydney FC, moving into the national team, um, he had a lot of critics, I think. And I think he proved everyone wrong in this campaign. And... Um, yeah, I think hats off to him. He's done really well. And uh, for me as a player, I, I think he's given a lot of opportunity to young players, especially on the nat- national stage. So for me, I'd love for him to stay on and just keep proving Australians wrong. And um, I think yeah, he's, he's sort of built a platform for that. Yeah, and look, you talk about young players and, and Graham giving the opportunity for young players. How important was that? Obviously, going into this campaign, having eight of those players go to the Olympics, you know, being one of one of them yourself, um, join this group and having the experience of tournament football. Um, yeah, I think it was yeah amazing um, overall from the Olympic campaign. And then obviously, there's a few of us involved in this uh, World Cup campaign, and um, as you said, Graham was a coach of both, and I think we're just fortunate enough that um, we we're involved um, in another major tournament and. I think as young players, we can take um, a lot of uh, confidence out of these types of tournaments and really set the standard um, for the future um, for the game, especially in Australia. Because, as we said, we've uh, upset a few people, not people, I'd say teams, um, even at the Olympics when we beat Argentina, then at this World Cup. um, So, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy couple of years um, with the national teams. But, yeah, I think it's been overall really good. Yeah, you talk about playing Argentina, obviously, in the World Cup, but obviously in the Olympics as well, where you managed to get a special goal in, in that game. Talking about Argentina as well, you need to settle something for me. I know you got your picture taken with Lionel Messi, but there's a couple of shirts going around. I've seen Juki's got Messi's uh, you know, shirt, and so does obviously Cami Devlin. Who's got the original one then? Who's got who's got the one he played in? Come on, clear it up for me. Uh, that's Cammy Devlin uh, got, yeah, I think there's a video out as well because I, I was rooming with Cammy at the, um, in camp and he showed me the video because I didn't actually know he had the jersey. And he showed me the video and he pulled it out in the room and it was just, yeah, wow. I didn't think uh, he'd actually get the jersey, but he did. And I think Mitch Duke got one because he was doing doping after the game and Messi was in there as well. So I think he got a jersey there as well. And I think Dedan, Milos Dedanak, got a jersey as well I've seen on um, his socials the other day but I didn't know he actually had one <laughs> well, well well, Marco I think you should have asked him for one because the rumours are that Cammy's already been asked a half a million dollars for his jersey so there you go but I don't think he'll be he'll be parting ways with it anytime soon look just um, one more on the World Cup I wanted to get into something that probably a lot of people don't ask you about in terms of the preparation and being at that Aspire Academy how important was that for you and the group uh, in terms of because the energy output that you boys put into this tournament 
um, every game. And, and it just seemed, even in the Argentina game, how fresh we, you were, how important was that Aspire Academy? And obviously Tim Cale having a big part to play in that. And what was his role within the, the whole tournament itself for you guys? Yeah, Timmy had a massive role to play um, with the group, um, especially with a lot of young boys. Um, he was just keeping our heads screwed on because obviously we didn't know um, where we would, I guess, fit in the in the team um, on a game day sort of scenario. And he's just always making sure we are ready for whatever happens. And um, I think he'd done really well with that, um, always talking to players. And, and then obviously he getting us the Aspire Academy to um, hold the tournament there where we were based, sorry, and... Um, yeah, it had everything, um, the gyms, the facilities, the recovery facilities, all these kinds of things that we were using um, were world-class, and I think that really played a part in, um, I guess, the games and uh, the boys feeling fresh every single game because it was short turnarounds, and um, as everyone's seen, they were quite fresh in every single game. I think that's all to Timmy and um, the facilities we had. Yeah, look, I, and I know, look, obviously at Melbourne City, the plan is out in that southeast Melbourne to to build a state of the art uh, training facility, and it's halfway there at the moment. And the facilities you get are wonderful. But in terms of the national team, is this something that we could look to and aspire to 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 bring to this country and and help our national team succeed in in, in future tournaments? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think there's been a, a lot said about um, that the Socceroos, the Matildas, even the younger young Socceroos, and all these kinds of teams don't have a home. Um, and I really think um, if there was a base, a home where everyone would, I guess, um, I guess, work out of and um, all these kinds of things, I think will only benefit uh, the national teams and the quality um, we have in Australia. Because um, especially with a home, a home, um, and yeah, I think it would just um, boost our game. And I think the national team will succeed from um, having a home in this country. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on, on that one there. Look, I want to bring you a little bit closer to home. And I know it's been a dramatic couple of weeks for you because obviously when you were away as well, you lost your manager, you know, in terms of Patrick Kuznobo moving on. Was that a huge shock for you and the boys, obviously, in camp? And uh, But, well, were you surprised or were you not surprised, obviously, for Paddy now to, to kick on and, and, and what a job it is for him? Yeah, I think it's um, yeah one of the things we were in shock because he had called us the day before, I think, everyone else found out um, on social media and um, he called me Lecky and Maka um, in camp and we were in shock but at the same time um, in the back of our heads I think he deserves his, deserves this opportunity um, he's done really well in his time here in Australia and um, I didn't think he had too much longer to be honest um, uh, being successful here and I think he wanted to, wanted to challenge himself and I think he's got the opportunity now to do that um, in League One and um, yeah rap to him and really hope he does well. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're all sort of, you know, cheering him on from over here and hopefully he does do fantastic over in League One with Twa. But obviously heading back to the A-League for you now, obviously Rado Vidicic is now in term charge at the football club. Does much change? Uh, has much changed? Obviously you've been back a couple of days now. How's it all been going? Yeah, um, it's been, yeah, smooth transition. Obviously Rado was the women's head coach and... Um, he was always around um, the training facility and in around the training and the meetings and all these kinds of stuff. So it's been a pretty smooth transition. Um, obviously, as every coach, they have their own tweaks they want to implement in the team. And um, we're I'm coming back, uh, being my second day today. Um, yeah, I think we're just slowly learning. Um, obviously, the other boys have been here for a few weeks now with him. And, um, yeah, nothing's really changed from the players' perspective. But... Um, 
yeah, we'll just look forward to, with our quality in our team, just continue the form we had at the start of the season. Yeah, well, look, it, it starts all again this weekend, doesn't it? A big game against your ex-club, uh, Sydney FC. Uh, do you and obviously Jamie Mack and Lecky, is it looking likely that you will feature at some, uh, play some part in this game itself and, and we get we get to see you back on the pitch again? I'm hoping so. Um, I can't tell you to what extent, um, what role either of us will play in the game. Um, but yeah, Lecky and Mack's first day will be today, so... Um, I'll see how they pulled up, especially Lex, who's played every minute almost of every game in the World Cup. So um, I guess we'll see how they go, and I think we'll all be ready if we need to play a part in this game on Saturday. Wonderful. Ad. Look, and, and just one more before you go, in terms of obviously the euphoria around the whole Socceroos uh, World Cup campaign and the excitement, and we've seen so many fans obviously enjoying the occasions. How important is it to you and to the players and, and to the to the league itself that these people now come and support, obviously, their local clubs and, and get out there and create the atmosphere uh, within the A-League itself? Yeah, I think it's massive. Like, as you said, like the turnout for all the games um, for the national team at this prestigious tournament. Um, yeah, second to none. Like, the fans are unbelievable back home and I don't see why uh, we can't fill out stadiums in this league and obviously you've seen the quality um, at the World Cup we have and we possess in the A-League and if we can fill out these stadiums, the quality of the games and the league is only going to get better um, because as every player, you want to play in front of crowds. So I think if we can get stadiums full, the quality of the game will get better and people will enjoy it more and hopefully we can bring this game to be number one in this country. And in terms of for you now, Marco, last one, in, what's next for Marco Tilia? What What's the aim here, you know, if, uh, moving forward? Uh, for me, yeah, obviously come back to the club now and hopefully leave off the way um, I did uh, at the start of the season. I just want to continue to contribute to success at the club. Um, that's on the field, off the field. Um, but I just want to continue to perform well and see where it takes me. Um, obviously, I'm ambitious to go overseas one day, so... I hope I can fulfil um, those dreams, I guess, um, in the near future. So that's the plan. Wonderful. Well, we, we wish you all the very best with that and I really look forward to seeing you out on the football pitch because you're certainly an entertaining player in my eyes and love watching you play. So very best of luck for, obviously, the game on the weekend and the coming season ahead. Thank you very much, Marco. Cheers. Thanks, Scotty. Appreciate you having me. Pleasure, mate. It's great to hear Marco Tilio there. Brought to you by Kraken.com, your secure crypto partner. Get in the game at Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Comes inside the canal. He runs. The lanky Saudi Arabian midfielder plays the ball through. The crosser now will come in. Back it comes, oh great save by Chesney. Tunisia, right flank, Katrina advancing, cuts the cross back in, Kazri with the shot, saved, it was straight at the goalkeeper, Matt Ryan dives on it. He's a magnet, Matt Ryan, all of a sudden. Oh yes. Welcome back to the global game on SEN. Those were today's great saves for Snitz. The best hands in the Snitzel business. Snitz, handcrafted Snitzels. Now, back to the A-League we go, Broski. It's been a while in coming, but lots to preview ahead. Really looking forward to this one. We've got Raw 
v Adelaide on Friday night. Wellington Phoenix take on Western Sydney Wanderers, who have been excellent up till now. Sydney FC, your boys taking on uh, the, the champions and obviously top of the table, Melbourne City. Uh, bargain basement with Perth Glory and Western United. The Mariners take on the Jets. Uh, in the derby, and we've got MacArthur and victory as well. So lots to look forward to ahead. And obviously, I want to get your thoughts, particularly on your old team, uh, Sydney FC. Can a victory turn their slow start around? And obviously, is Steve Corica under serious pressure in your eyes? Um, look, yeah, Bimby's definitely under under pressure. He was already going into this season, and then uh, look with where the the squad is at the moment. Um, you know, there's sort of there's definitely been enough there to. Um, you know, to buy him some more time, but look, they, it's just defensively. That's what, that's the area they need to fix up. They recruited well in attack and going forward, they look great. They've been scoring goals, but defensively when, you know, Wilco and Rodwell got injured, um, again, some time was needed to readjust to those new partnerships and, and they've just conceded so many goals in that time. But, you know, with this sort of month, three week break that they've had, um, you know, they need to, hopefully they've done enough, um, work defensively as a squad, to, to be just more solid, hard to break down and start getting some clean sheets because, um, you know, if they don't, that pressure will keep piling on. Well, you talk about pressure. If he was to lose this one, does he lose his job or can he lose his job? Look, not not after one game back. You know, I think, um, again, we, there needs to be time given, which there has been already, but there won't be much. Look, I think they need to they, – they've already lost to the Wanderers at home, lost to the Victory at home. Um, those are big losses, you know, city is a, a team that's obviously favorites to win the, the title. This is a big statement game for me for Sydney. Um, look, a, a win would be huge. A loss won't be the end of the world, but they do need, they just, they need to get their season going. You know, they, they can't let it sort of go out. Otherwise they'll be catching up. They're already sort of around that sixth position uh, and need to get going quickly. Well, yeah, they need to break their duck at home within the league itself. They were very impressive against Celtic in, in that game that they played in, in the friendly when, when the A-League broke up. So Bimby will be hoping that they, they get that performance against Melbourne City. But leading to your biggest rivals as well in my ex-team, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, they've, they've had a great start to the season, obviously in second place with 13 points. Mark Rudan, obviously nominated for Coach of the Month. Can they, can they maintain that momentum for you? Look, I think they can. I think they've got a lot of quality. They've, um, you know, they, they, he's doing an amazing job, Roots. They've He's brought back that sort of the, the fight into the jersey that used to make it um, incredibly difficult to play against them, you know, and, and it's been missing since Popper left. Um, you know, the jersey just, I don't know why it hasn't had held as much fear as what it sort of used to, you know, when you played against them, when you went to, to Parramatta to play against them, it felt like you were going to play a tough, a tough team and, that hasn't been there for a number of years. So Rudin's brought that back. They're winning. They're getting results. They're doing it with uh, a lot of quality as well. They haven't been great in a lot of games, but while they're still trying to figure that out, they've um, just been picking up results. So I expect them to, you know, from a quality point of view, be a lot better going forward now. But in, in doing that, already second place. So I think, uh, you know, they'll definitely be up there. Yeah, another team obviously going quiet about their business is Dwight York's MacArthur. Do they have the potential to hit another gear in your eyes? They sit fourth at present, uh, but eight points off City and top spot. Yeah, look, a pretty average start. Two wins, two draws and two losses for MacArthur. I think they've got an incredible amount of quality. So they, they definitely have another few gears, I think, to uh, to go. They, look, they've been... They've been sort of going under the radar a little bit. They're in fourth spot, but still a, a lot more to go from them, I think. And, and I think we'll start to see it pretty soon. 
Look, in terms of, you know, there's been a few slow starters. Who in your eyes is going to come good, though? Obviously, Western United winning the, the, the championship last year, having a really poor start. But would they be the ones that you see, obviously, driving up the table or even the likes of Melbourne Victory? Look, I, I think Victory, definitely. Um, the quality that they've got, you, you I mean, it's strange seeing them in seventh at the moment, especially after the season they had. The recruiting they did going into this year, I thought they'd be a lot better than, than where they're sitting. So I expect them to start to come good as well. And Western United, look, I, I think there's a few players in that squad that are a little bit unhappy. There was a bit of unrest in those opening rounds um, and, and even heading into the season, which, you know, all those players have had their chance to, to have a bit of a, a whinge and a sook. And, and I think um, that last game that we saw was was hopefully their their turning point. You know, we, uh, you know, we need to see them doing well. Johnny deserves for them to do well. And, and I think there's a, a lot of quality and, and we'll expect to see them come back as well. Yeah, well, I'll put you on the spot a couple of times. I'm going to ask you now in terms of who's your premiers for the A-League this season, champions also, and who's your pick for Johnny Warren medalist, Broski? All right, premiers, I'm going uh, Melbourne City. Uh, even with Kiz Norbo gone now, I think that could uh, you know, could be interesting for their season, but I just think they're too, too well-rounded, too good, uh, too consistent. So they'll be the premiers. Um, I'm going to say Sydney to, to be the champions this year. I think they'll start to kick in the gear. They've got a lot of quality going forward and obviously my old club as well. So I'd like to see them win it. And then the uh, Johnny Warren medalist. Who's up there at the moment? If Well, if Sydney win it, Joe Lolly's got to get it. There you go. Yeah, he has been impressive. Look, I think Melbourne City for for, for premiers and, and champions, absolutely. And I think J-Mac will be there or thereabouts for that Johnny Warren medalist as well as Golden Boot. But Broski, thank you very much for this evening. That's it for the global game tonight. I'll be back tomorrow night with Adam Peacock from 10.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time or from 6pm on the podcast. Just search Global Game SEN.